Hello, this is Sanjay Singh Negi and you're listening to I Got Something to Say. Today in my show, we have Harsha Chella as our guest. Harsha Chella has a master's in electrical engineering from UT Dallas. He's currently working in New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. He has a huge engineering background, but at the same time, he has a huge interest in economics of world, especially India and how the world economics revolves around India. Let me welcome you, Harsha Chella. Hi Harsha, how are you? I'm doing good Sanjay, how are you? I'm doing great. So Harsha, uh, last time we talked about how you were interested in the economics and how you think Indian economy has performed, outperformed or underperformed many of the other developing countries of this world. And I have introduced you, but would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, sure Sanjay. So I'm Harsha Challa. I have done my master's in electrical engineering from University of Texas at Dallas. Currently, I am working as a data analyst in Swiss reinsurance. I have passion towards economics. I like this topic a lot. Today, I will be discussing a few of the topics that I know in this show. Because you work in an insurance-based data analytics firm, is this how you got involved in economics or was your passion for economics developed before joining this job? I have the passion for the economics from since my 10th standard, I was very much interested in that subject so much, but uh, at that time, I didn't have enough support to pursue career in that subject. Do you think that was one of the important factors why you moved to United States because you thought here you'd be able to uh, use your skills more efficiently and you'd get your... Yeah, since my childhood, I have great respect for United States and I, I was fascinated by the education system here and out of 25 top universities in the world for engineering more than 22 of them are from United States and it is the leader of the world in innovation so I am so much fascinated about that so I came here to pursue my masters. I would have totally agreed with you but right now like because of the situation with China and how it's going to emerge as a world power after all this mess gets over. We'll do a separate episode on that. For today's episode, let's focus on Indian economics. Uh, so for my viewers or listeners, we've had India as a very advanced country even in the ancient times when India was called Sonic Ichiria or the bird of gold because of how much gold reserve India had. And a lot of Indian princes at that time used to own much of the world's wealth. One of the richest people in the world always belonged to India. There were certain periods during history of this world when India got occupied by Mughal emperors and later by Britishers and eventually it formed itself. So Harsha, how would you divide the Indian economics or Indian ages into categories? What what do you think are some of the main key elements when India became India? Yeah, definitely, Sanjay. Coming to the economy of a state, a country or the area. So one thing that matters more is the stability of that region. Do you agree with this or not? Like it has to be stable. A stable country can grow better than an unstable country. Are you talking about demographically stable or are you talking about it's politically stable? So coming to the Indian economy, you can divide this. Before 1947, there was no country India. Like the whole region was called Indian subcontinent. I will divide this into three parts. But it depends on how people analyze it. Like till 1100 AD, till before that also India faced a lot of foreign invasions. Many people came into India. Their Greeks have come, Hewans have come. There many people have come to India, but they didn't disturb the political situation in India that much. Before 1100 AD, 
there was a great empire called gupta empire india was one of the most flourishing countries in the world i mean like indian subcontinent so when that huge empire it collapsed due to the absence of good persons after harsh king harshavardhana it collapsed after that there was no big ruler no great ruler who could unify the whole country that was one of the main point where that so if there is no one great ruler to unify all the empires so each state will have their own ruler and they will be fighting among themselves and that state is not stable for my listeners who are not from india i just wanted to like put one thing here that even though we are put, uh, putting a big comma at india along uh, 1200 ad when the gupta empire fell but the indian history has been way before that we had king ram king krishna and it can be classified into thousands of years india has probably one of the oldest civilizations of the world and this particular point in time we are just talking about the modern history of india which has been from 0 ad to 2000 yeah. current current time a lot of business would get confused because they would okay india is a very fairly new country so like that that's not true like india is very old but we are just talking about from 0 ad onward second classification after 1282 which yeah after 1100 to 1200 ad the entry of british i consider that as second part and from okay. british uh, from after independence to the current time i consider it as the third part where do you think indian economy actually started to crumble or it started to change when india was invaded when rajput's power started declining in 1100 ad india was invaded by mohammad gori mohammad ghazni you know that mohammad ghazni has invaded somnath temple and many such situations happened at that time it was complete it was a complete change for india because the people who invaded india they were new to india they haven't been there so they came from some other parts in central asia or like some other parts in afghanistan so they couldn't understand the complete situation like complete structure of economic structure and everything of india and everything fell in right place when mughals started ruling because they had a huge empire initially there were some hiccups for that empire but when akbar came to power he was the emperor of the great india stretching from afghanistan to the nearly that andhra pradesh and karnataka regions so he had a huge empire so at that time by some estimates india was holding 27% of world gdp that's pretty big 27% yeah. it's like having all apple microsoft and it was as big as the current united states i would say yeah in fact it was that big during that time and at that time china was having a greater gdp than india and india was second till 1000 to 1100 ad during that time uh, india was uh, having more economy than china but between between 1200 to like 1700 1800 period india was next to china like india didn't crumble that much so but what happened was when british came to power in india they started they started taking the wealth from india to the europe so they they have done this thing throughout the world so when that happened between uh, 1800 to 1947 indian gdp fell so much in 1947 when we got independence our gdp was just 1% of the world eating a prey by a cannibalistic yeah. and then yeah. leaving the bones dry like he didn't leave any meat on it <laughs> yeah it's like it's similar to that because the when british have started zamindari system in india has completely ruined the indian uh, indian agriculture to collect taxes from the farmers they have put a middle layer called zamindars and they have asked like you have to pay this much amount as tax like they have alloc- allocated some area for the zamindars and they asked them to give certain amount of tax when 
these people were giving when the farmers were suffering from many things like crop failure and like bad rainfall or like low productivity and all these things but even during those times the tax was same and these so, people have the right to acquire their land if they don't pay taxes so that's how indian economy completely got decimated during that time i wanted to bring into relation between a zamindar that was in india a big position allocated by the british government to someone who was in indian to collect the tax from land and there's a big similarity between a zamindar and a jew people would be shocked at what i'm saying but initially when jews were considered killers of christ the european world the jews were the only people that were good at accounting they were good at mathematics and when their jews were not allowed to work at any other jobs then that's where this they started to hire them as their accountants and eventually they took control of the banks and now that's why a lot of people are pissed off that jews control the whole world because they control banks i just wanted to put this in just to bring like this whole correlation between a zamindar and like a jew in modern european like aspect and it was happening around the same time when they were like destroying the indians by zamindari system at the same time they were destroying jews by making them collect tax on their land and then they portrayed them as evil because they were only cared about money but that wasn't true like jews didn't originally care about money that was the only job they could do so that's a big big thing here um and secondly thanks harsha for pointing that out can we now move into the modern history of modern modern india and india was like you said didn't exist before 1947 and india was a term coined around that time and there was also another name that was more popular it was called bharat bharat is a name in which a lot of indians i think take pride in and i guess more pride than the being called indians because even indian is like something you we call person who was naturally in america the ancient american tribes we call them indians no no also. no the term uh india actually the term hindu it is not in any of the scriptures like that came after the river sindhu the people who are close to that they then it came to like the, then that sindhu became hindu and that became hindustan okay but bharat like, what's the origin of bharat bharat is like identity it's not a country it's not for defining the country it's like identity of the whole that region it is called like bharat like bharatiya it means like it's an identity it is not a geographical name okay. india yeah, is like a, it's yeah. an identity in which a yeah. lot of people take pride in right yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah so let's move on to the modern india that we see right now which was created after the britishers left a country which was supposedly 27% of world gdp to uh, left at 1% of world gdp and now we are seeing a huge income inequality and we are seeing poors become poorer there is no food for people and uh, there is a huge migration between the borders of india pakistan and bangladesh west pakistan and under all these circumstances we also are facing wars on our borders with, with our neighbors china and pakistan and even when all these things are happening india is slowly trying to take all the crumbles of its economy and build a strong foundation can you show some light on how india transformed itself from 1947 towards the later era of around 1980s so actually india excelled a lot after independence during independence the number of people who were educated who uh, the literacy rate in country was less than 10% i feel, i think it is around 5% but it's it's definitely less than 10% now the literacy rate is above 65% i believe and india made tremendous progress in many things many things like it is hard to uh, ignore the contribution of indians contribution of indians to the world but at the same time india uh, didn't grow at the full potential that it has india had a huge potential 
and i will point a, a point out a small thing like uh, can you name some countries where you can grow three crops in a year mexico yeah mexico and like and mexico the whole of mexico terrain is not as much as fertile as india i say like okay. if you consider united states in most of the regions you can't grow more than one or two crops because here like there is a snowfall during uh, during november to february and if you consider china it is the same if you consider all the countries which are leading producers of many food products they don't have the access to grow three crops in a year but in india yeah, italy except and- europe you can't grow crops in during winter right yeah, but because italy that is, is more like you know temperate atmosphere and i agree but you can't grow crops throughout the year And what about like rest of africa africa is like this huge natural resources are there like crops and all the minerals isn't it yeah i agree but uh, africa came to light later than all other continents they lack very much uh, they don't have that much technical knowledge as the people in other countries do that's what i mean like when india was having some 27% of gdp i mean indian subcontinent at that time most of the economy came from trading of spices food grains clothes and all those things right they are it was dependent on agriculture okay but now if you see like india has some advantage over many other countries in the world like they you can grow three crops in a year and except the state of jammu and kashmir himachal pradesh those northern states of india in all the other states it is sunny throughout the year i actually agree with you because a little bit about myself i am a geographical information system person which means i deal with a lot with maps and i look at a lot of map that's a lot of my time which i spend in and i personally think that the indian land if you look in a satellite view then you would see a lot of greenery and a lot of area where you can actually grow crops if you zoom in in russia which is like a huge country of a size of a continent you won't see much area which is actually like cultivable so it's really of huge importance that india had that much cultivable land you're saying india didn't like take care of the whole potential but like india had the movements like chipko andolan and then seed movement green revolution when people were using the high yield variety seeds so i i think that might have helped india boost its economy in don't you think that before coming to the- that like i have to mention one thing so after achieving independence india adopted socialism socialistic economy it didn't adopt capitalistic economy it it didn't adopt capitalism it adopted socialism basically before russia turning into communist like uh, before communism entered russia there was a great leap in agriculture in russia so basically in communism what happens is like they take the productivity from the agriculture and with that they build huge industry and you know about these things right there were five year plans in india from long time like i, I don't know whether, whether it is continuing now or not before they used to have like five year term five year plans right for every five years government sets up a plan after that it will see whether it is done or not otherwise it will prolong that in that way it it worked right and india was mainly focusing to build heavy industry at that time heavy industry like iron steel and machinery and all those things but the main problem india faced was socialistic economy is not suited for india at that time it didn't suit india at that time because where can you get uh, money from the resources when your agriculture is down completely so i would have loved this point but i've seen the example of cuba which after its gaining its independence turned itself into a socialist back capitalist economy where it took a lot of money from united states to continue its growth but i think there was a huge risk there if india would have borrowed a lot of money from the west then it would have made itself a huge liability and financial dependence on west which nowadays if you see like what china is doing in african countries and if what it's doing in 
poor Latin American countries, it's giving them loans, which they know that they cannot fulfill those loans and then they are occupying their territory like they did in Sri Lanka. So I'm not supporting that you have to take everything from the West or some other country. I am saying take something that is useful from the country. Suppose, can you see till 1991, there was a war between two superpowers. One is Soviet Union, another one is United States backed West. So after that, like, can you say one successful country which had a good economy and which developed a lot due to the communism or like socialistic economy? Can you say one socialist economy which is successful? It, uh, Soviet Union, China has liberalized its, its economy in 1979, way before India. Okay. 12 years before India liberalized its economy, China liberalized its economy. I'm saying like in, in terms of economy, China is not a socialistic economy. In China, 97% of the firms and industries are owned by private individuals now. No, no, no. I think I totally don't agree because... A lot of industries in China are, are controlled indirectly or indirectly by the government. They have to be like member of the Communist Party of China to even be a CEO of anything. They, all these CEOs like Jack Ma and everyone, they report directly to the Chinese government. So I they, cannot see. I, I'm not that. saying. I, I'm not saying it is. Uh, government should not involve in anything. It has some control over it. But do you know how communist uh, economy works? It's uh, the, the China is following a blend of both communist and capitalistic economy. It's, its rule is in terms of communism, but its economy is like it's it's not communist uh, communism. It's not following communism because in communism it has very less to deal with trade. How China grew from 1979 to 2014 between that uh, 35 years 1979 to 2014, China has grew with, with an average growth percentage of 10 percent. I've heard it took like a huge investments from Japan, which initially yeah. wanted to like conquer China. Yeah, I agree, but how, how that that doesn't make it uh, that that's not following uh, socialist economy. Right? It has liberalized like so. It has made changes. See, I'm not saying follow something that is alien to you. Import good things that are from any other economy. Like you see, the thing is like when you take an idea. Suppose there is a technology in agriculture. If Israelis have developed a certain technology, you can't take that technology and directly put into India, right? You have to make some modification. You have to see how it works in different parts of India. In India, because there are different parts, each each soil has a different characteristics, right? I actually agree with you. Like Indian being employed, socialist economy put itself a lot. Uh, and China, the the laws didn't prevent uh, entrance of new technology into China. You know how, I, how between 1947 to 1991, till economic liberalization happened in India. India was growing at a rate of 3%. Economic growth in India was less than that of Pakistan. Oh, really? Yeah, you can you can go and check that. The economic yeah. growth in India from 1947 to 1991 was 3 or 3 to 3.5%. I actually agree with you because I have personally seen my own family's uh, situation dramatically change from like, you know, after 2000s when the country's economy became more liberal and there were more multinational jobs and MNCs and more like call center BPO jobs and all those things that just started popping up. And now the software industry, which happened because of the whole foreign direct investment. But I just have this one thing to add here that Indian economy, when whole thing was happening and during 1947 to 91, I would say, even if India would have like taken a lot of investment from foreign countries, I don't think that... I'm not saying uh, take the investment only. The thing is like foreign investments, they doesn't just bring money. They bring technology. Do you know, I have seen one article like 
once uh, uh, in 2000s i guess like U- us and cuba uh, relations they got better and some united states people they have people from united states they have traveled to cuba once uh, one guy like when he went there he introduced internet to the tourist guide over there that guide was baffled and he was not knowing such a thing could exist in the world yes uh, i mean if if cuban people didn't know that that thing would have existed then it's a failure of cuban government right yeah i agree it's a socialist economy it is outdated so and uh, it was a failure in east germany it was failure in cuba it was failure in north korea it was a failure in russia it failed all over the world it didn't succeed anywhere in the world i mean the facts say that you are right with what you are saying but the only thing difference in the case of india was that indian leaders around that time which i want to make everyone clear is that indian leaders were like they were a family consisting of nehru and gandhis basically so i don't think that if they neither had the will to bring that much prosperity to india because they personally were very prosperous after death of gandhi i think there there was no one to actually look at how the people in remote villages were living their life that just doesn't gives them enough reason for them they don't feel compelled enough to actually work hard to make india better so that could have been one reason and uh, they constantly amongst themselves faced a lot of problems of assassination attempts and lots of lives lost but so, in total uh, i don't think that uh, i just wanted to uh, add this one thing that i don't think they were like man enough or they were like good enough to no the uh, the main thing is for a sustainable development of a country proper economic model is a pivotal thing so when you don't follow a good economic model when there is no enough growth rate then country won't have enough money to do all the things that it needs yes i totally agree that indian india lagged because of not having the advanced technology and do you know uh, during 1990 india and china had same gdp yeah i have heard GDP. of that but their economic model was very good so it picked up so much and basically chinese have, have developed a different type of economic model and I, i don't mean that it is the it is the only one successful but the thing is like it was successful to them but they tried something they have taken liberalized economy long ago india and they started they started exporting things so they started manufacturing lot of things they worked very hard and they achieved that because like achieving 10% growth rate annually for 34 years it's not a small thing but harshita you have to understand here that all the country like china where the government controls all actions and where it controls like it's not very fruitful for the normal citizen because even now even though there has been prosperity to the rich but i would say a lot of people in china they are very poor and i've seen examples of factories like foxconn which in which people commit suicide in large numbers because of the way they treat their people and uh, it does bring prosperity and adds up the number towards the overall gdp but you know gdp itself it's an average so it include it takes into account the whole rich people and the poor people and yeah. it just averages out very badly yeah uh, i agree i agree See, you can look at the economies of japan south korea during the second world war it was completely decimated it was annihilated and it was in deep shutters during that time but by 20 years by 1970 or 75 united united states got scared that it might overtake japan might overtake it it has grown at that pace 
I, I would be surprised but i have never been to japan except the tokyo airport which is pretty nice and uh, i wanted to just add here that these things were allowed like they did in china where the government controlled most of the uh, industries and if indian government was allowed to do that can you even imagine how much powerful the gandhis and the nehrus would have been and the wadras would have been right now like see i'm not endorsing china the chinese economic model completely but i'm saying like they have liberalized their economy long ago india did so they had a lot of manpower during that time so all yes. the opportunities went to china i'm talking about the economic liberalization i'm not talking about all the other things see suppose they have uh, there is a job interview and if two people have to go the earliest one if he has skill he will get that job okay so now let's end this on a very positive note that and not the whole conversation but i will end this part of the 1990s conversation when from 1990 to tw- 2020 uh, indian growth rate after economic liberalization was more than 6 to 8 it varies between 6 to 10 8% in tw- in 2009 Uh, in 2008 there was a global recession 2008 or 2009 after that year i think in 2010 i guess uh, indian gdp growth rate was 9% that was the that was the potential of indian indian economy india has a great potential the thing is like if india was liberalized a long ago like during 1970s all this all this manufacturing things that are happening in the east asia they would have been in india that's my point i would agree with half a bit of that and i also want to add here that there was a huge example of this one person called ratan tata he was a marvelous man a man of his words and he launched the tata indica car around that time and everyone in the west they said he cannot do it because he doesn't have the technology for doing it but that guy just by using the indian workers just by using the indian skills he created own car and they launched that car and it was a very successful car and led to the birth of the tata industries as we know and just speaking of tata i want to give a huge shout out to tata industries because they donated 1500 crores to the coronavirus epidemic in india so that's also harsha a huge advantage of having home industries when you buy pp products which are your domestic products then those companies give back to you yeah definitely definitely you can uh, take technology from other countries you can use that and you can create wonders you can nativeize that something that china has been able to do i would like to give a huge commendable applaud to china because it was able to take the technology out of the western countries and use it for its own interest which is pretty commendable and i have not seen any other example of any other country in this world which was able to just steal the technology enough to power its own industries that's very yeah. clever of china final example so if you take a cow from israel if you just consider a cow from israel the milk yield per year of that cow is between 10000 liters to 12000 liters india is the leading producer of milk in the world but indian cows like the yield of indian cows is very low most of them have uh, give like from 2000 liters or like less than 2000 liters a year if the yield of indian cows cows increase then india can export more but harsha you have to see a huge new industry coming out of here in, in like you give a very co- controversial example because indian cows even though they don't yield that much milk but their urine it's very costly and indian cows urine actually sells more expensive than indian cows milk right now 
So I mean, I just caught you in your own words because of the example <laughs> you gave, but it's not. It's a little, you know, funny. Even though the Indian cows, they don't give that much milk, they just outperform the Western cows or the Spanish cows in terms of the net income they can provide to its owner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was not knowing this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's uh, let's move onwards to uh, 2000 like the whole 2000 decade and uh from now onwards 2020 we are all facing a huge recession in this world and where do you see india standing up as a leader in this world in this new world actually indian economy is too much dependent on america and china the thing is like india has to remove many of the socialistic laws that it has there are many other socialistic laws that are in india so it has to re- it has to liberalize that the main thing india has to do is like it has to move up in the table in the ease of doing business rankings yes in the ease of doing business ranking if it goes up and the thing is like uh, that can only have controls its rampant corruption if that comes down and if the ease of doing business goes up india has a tremendous manpower so I, i like the thing is like only you have to set things right like when everything falls in the place then india can grow at a great potential because indian median age is just 27 i guess now 27 or 26 yeah, less than 30 yeah very less than india is a india is a young country so to age like to age it will take from 20 or 30 years look like between this 20 to 30 years even if you don't do anything indian economy grows that's because of young age so if you do if you, if you empower the new generation in a proper way educate them properly and if you impart education to all the people in india properly then india can india can definitely become a superpower one day india will definitely become a superpower in yeah i hope life. i hope, hope india i hope india becomes that we are ending this on a very positive note here that we have huge so, future ahead and because of india the is a huge future power. it has to learn from many countries in the world that have present from ashes like japan did like germany did germany has less than 1% of the world population but they produced 10% of the industrial output of the world so we are going definitely going to push india towards making itself a big power and make pushing industrial output towards this world and also not just give the IT support or the tech support to the west but also giving the products the developed products to the west and uh, would you like to applaud the prime minister of india at this tough times which india is facing right now do you do you have any few words for pm modi definitely he has been trying his best to deal with the situation so like like he has reacted little late but now he is doing things pretty well i hope india will get out of this get out of this situation sooner than many other countries in the world thanks for joining us harsha would you like to drop your instagram or twitter handle here for our listeners who want to reach out to you because of your conversation here uh, you can reach out to me on uh, on instagram uh, like it's like being harsha challa is my insta name can you spell that out for the listeners okay. it's like being b e i n g harsha h a r s h a c h a l l a okay uh, thank you harsha for joining us i would stop the, our conversation for now and we'll definitely get in touch again and thanks for listening to this conversation everyone you can uh, send your opinion about this conversation to me personally on harsha uh, you can find me on instagram twitter or wherever you use your social media you can find me at i am s s nikki that is i am s s n e g i find me anywhere and uh, send your response thanks for listening to i got something to say